we thank you so much for those uh, those wonderful words, those those sweet words from Psalm 23. Um, they're so familiar, though, Lord, to so many of us. And we pray now that as we look at this psalm together um, briefly, that your Holy Spirit will take the words and cause them to penetrate our hearts and our minds and our lives and cause us to rejoice in our Saviour and Shepherd. In his name, Father, we pray. Amen. So um, I, I hope not too many of you have turned up this morning uh, waiting for a sermon on the book of Revelation. Uh, we did say that we were going to start after the summer holes, and we're still technically in the summer holes. So uh, before we get to the book of Revelation, God willing, next Sunday, uh, we had a, an opportunity to look at something different this morning. And I was trying to think about what we could look at as, as a church together. And as I was reading through Revelation, one of the verses that struck me um, quite strongly and probably for the first time properly is in Revelation 7 and I'm going to read that verse and then you'll see what made me start thinking about this this lovely psalm psalm 23 in Revelation 7 you've got a great multitude in heaven a multitude of believers who are praising God their savior and we read this from verse 16 of Revelation 7 never again will they hunger never again will they thirst these these believers who've gone to heaven the sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It never really struck me before in Revelation how there's Psalm 23 language there. We'll circle back to this verse shortly because it's such a striking verse that the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, is our shepherd as Christians. I think this is probably the most famous chapter in the Bible. That's, that's my guess. If John 3.16 is the most famous verse, probably, then this has got to be the most famous chapter. I'll stick my neck out and say that, that probably this is the greatest poetry ever written. It's precious to so many people people who call themselves Christians, and actually some people who don't call themselves Christians who know these words, it's a precious, precious psalm and song and prayer. We, we've seen it, so many of us over the years, on, on banners outside churches, on church notice boards, on, on pictures stuck up in our living rooms and our kitchens. I've seen it, and you've probably seen it too, in a Bible open on a hospital bedside table because it's been so precious to so many people towards their the end of their journey and the, the end of their pilgrimage in this world. And what this psalm tells me and has reminded me of this week, and what it tells you if you're a Christian, is that the Christian has a God who is a shepherd and a friend who will never leave us to journey alone. That, that's really all I'm going to be saying this morning as I try and break that down into two headings, that, that we as Christians have a God who is a shepherd and a friend and who will never leave us to journey alone. To try and unpack that in a bit more detail, the, the two sections we'll look at, the two headings really, are looking at God as our shepherd, firstly, and then looking at the landscape, looking at the terrain of this psalm, because the landscape varies. And, and as we look at that, it shows us how it is that God shepherds us. So you, you're going to be with me for a few minutes as we, as we do that. Look at the shepherd of the psalm, and then look at the landscape of the psalm. First of all, then the shepherd. 
it's lovely that King David, as he wrote this psalm, doesn't start by calling God, as he so often does in the psalms, his king or his deliverer. You know the sort of language possibly that David uses when he writes his psalms. He often refers to God as his rock. He refers to God as his shield, as his deliverer. But here in this psalm, David chooses to call the Lord, Yahweh, his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, David, better than most people, knew what that word meant. David knew what it was to be a shepherd. David knew that a, a shepherd's job, a shepherd's calling, a shepherd's life, really, was to lead the sheep, to feed the sheep, to protect the sheep. As one commentator has put it, a shepherd in, the, in these days, but especially in those days, was the guide, the physician, and the protector of the flock. He had multiple jobs and roles encapsulated within that one job. The shepherd had to know the individual sheep. The shepherd lived with the sheep. The shepherd, frankly, if you got too close to them, probably smelled of sheep because the shepherd's life was the sheep. This is what David calls mighty Yahweh. When you see the word Lord in block capitals in your English translations of the Bible, that stands for the, the name of God, Yahweh, that we looked at not too long ago in our devotional videos. And that word Yahweh speaks of God's power and his eternity. It means that God is the great I am. He says to Moses, I am who I am. This is the God with no beginning and no end, the mighty creator of the universe. And David calls Yahweh the Lord, my shepherd. It's very personal. He doesn't call Yahweh the shepherd. He calls him my shepherd. Now, you check this out and see if you can catch me out. But I could only find one other occasion amongst the many occasions in the Old Testament where God is called shepherd. I could only find one other occasion where somebody refers to God as my shepherd. And that's in Genesis chapter 48, when Jacob is blessing Joseph and he says, may the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, bless you. Jacob says that this God has been his shepherd all his life until that day. That's the only occasion I could find elsewhere in scripture where someone calls God my shepherd and makes it that personal. And that's exactly what David does in this psalm. Now, of course, New Testament believers know that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Jesus is also the shepherd of this psalm. We know that's true, don't we? Because we as Christians believe in one God, only one God. But that God is three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So the Father is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. We, we can't leave the Holy Spirit out of this equation because the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide in this life. And he also has a shepherd role in our lives. But in a special sense, we as Christians know that Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of, of Revelation chapter 7, who is also the lamb. Again, as I promised, we will come back to that verse. But God, here's the point, God, Christian, you know God is your shepherd. What a person to have leading, feeding and protecting you. My shepherd is Jesus. My shepherd is God. He walks with me. He lives with me. He cares for me. He watches over me. He protects me. 
he's well equipped this shepherd the shepherd of psalm 23 the shepherd of bible times was well armed and well equipped he carried the rod and the staff the rod was a club which, with which he would beat off robbers and wild animals and all predators the staff was the staff that he used to to keep the sheep on the right way the crook in effect which one of us haven't sometimes in our christian lives felt our necks aching a bit because the loving shepherd has had to use his crook on us to get us back in the way because he loves us so much this is a well-armed well-equipped shepherd our god he's a tender shepherd who's also a warrior who protects us the blazing jesus of revelation chapter one is our tender shepherd he's well equipped to be our shepherd and he is ever present that's what we see in this psalm through all the different walks of life and when you get to verse five of this psalm did you notice the picture changes a bit um some commentators try and say that that god is still being spoken of here as uh, a shepherd and we as sheep but i think actually the picture language changes a bit so god is not pictured here in verse five as a shepherd so much as he is a friend and host at the table you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows in verse five this shepherd becomes the host of a victory meal it appears in the presence of david's enemies we don't know which enemies in particular david was thinking of and facing here but in the face of those enemies he sees god as his friend hosting him at a meal at god's table yahweh god himself and his son welcomes david and welcomes us as christians to his table to his family table there's so much more i could say but i just wanted to start by saying some of those things about this god who is our shepherd this christian is your shepherd how david needed this shepherd in his life how i have needed this shepherd that's my testimony as i speak to you this morning from psalm 23 that no matter what i have done and no matter what i have been through and no matter how i have failed this god this jesus has been my shepherd all my life and i know because i put my trust in jesus he will continue to be so so he's he's our shepherd this god this jesus the son of god is our shepherd but let's think also then secondly about the landscape and the terrain of this psalm now someone who does not believe in the god of the bible who does not follow christ can still identify with what this psalm says about life what life can look like sometimes he guys uh, he he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake even though i walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me anybody we speak to whatever faith or belief system they follow if they're an atheist could agree that this is what life looks like sometimes it's green pastures it's it's pleasant sometimes it's still waters where we experience stillness and safety and happiness and the sweetness of the waters of life sometimes that's what life is like we know that life is a path it's a journey we all know that if we've lived long enough and it the path goes through different sections of terrain the path goes through different seasons it goes through different places 
life can change quite drastically sometimes from one day to the next, from one week to the next or month to the next. We know that if we've lived long enough that life is not all, all green pastures and still waters. That sometimes, maybe often, we have to go through dark valleys. The valley of the shadow or the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, more literally, is what that verse says. Anybody listening to this, I think, could agree with that, that life looks different at different seasons. We go through different territory and terrain. But here's the thing. Only the Christian has got this shepherd. As you go through the good things of life and the harder times of life, only the Christian has a shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. In other words, he gives me physical and spiritual life and maintains that physical and spiritual life. It's the shepherd who does that. It's the shepherd who leads me. The picture of the green pastures and the still waters is of the good shepherd's protection and provision, isn't it? So when David says, I shall not want, or I will lack nothing in the more recent version of the NIV, what does that mean? Well, if you're a Christian here this morning, maybe you think, well, actually, sometimes there are a lot of things I want that I don't have. Sometimes it does feel that I lack certain things in life, frankly, whether it's enough money or health or whatever it may be. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? Does that mean I'm misunderstanding Psalm 23? Well, maybe sometimes when we think that way, we are misunderstanding it a bit. When he says, I shall not want, I shall lack nothing, it doesn't mean that in this life the Christian has everything they want or everything they desire. What it does mean is that there is no good thing that the shepherd withholds from us that we need to keep us on the path and to get us to glory. He withholds no good thing that we really need, and we can be confident of that. So the green pastures and the still waters make us think of God's provision and his protection. The fact that we shall not want makes us realize there is nothing good ultimately that this God, this shepherd will withhold from us. But none of that means that the terrain, the territory is always pleasant, that the landscape always looks nice. We sometimes come into a dark valley, a dark valley of suffering in some way. Maybe that's in our relationships. Maybe it's a materially or financially dark valley. Maybe it's the valley of loss when we've lost someone we desperately loved. Maybe it's the dark valley of illness, possibly serious illness. And some of you will be in that dark valley or feeling like you're potentially entering that dark valley even this morning. But do you notice that David doesn't identify the valley as a time when the shepherd is far away? In fact, it's the opposite. I, I love this reality about this psalm. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then do you notice what happens when he gets to the dark valley? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you notice what happens when he gets to the dark valley, to the hard times? He becomes you. It becomes even more personal. He speaks of God in an even more intimate and close way. 
often we tend to think when we go through hard times and times of suffering because it sometimes feels like god our shepherd that jesus our shepherd is far away we think of god as being further away in times of suffering whereas actually this psalm shows us he's closer doesn't this make sense if you think about it if you think about what a shepherd did and if you think about the territory through which the shepherd led the sheep in the green pastures and the still waters the shepherd would be watching the sheep but from a relative distance making sure that they're okay as they stretch out their legs next to the stream as they enjoy the grass but when you got into the deep dark valley when it got to that that deep wadi where the, the stream had carved out a, a, a deep ravine and as you're going through that valley as a sheep you had no choice but to walk close to the shepherd you were squeezed in close to the shepherd you were practically hugging his legs if, if a sheep can can hug in the dark valley in the ravine that's when the sheep are closest to the shepherd and that's what david acknowledges here the shepherd in the dark valley in the valley of the shadow of death becomes even closer and, and more precious as the sheep are pressed up against their shepherd sheep as you probably know are not the most intelligent animals in the world and in their suffering might not always be aware of the presence of the shepherd though david is aware of the presence of the shepherd right here but do you know what christian even in the darkness of the valley even when you can't see him he's there in the darkness of the valley he as the shepherd becomes you becomes even closer and more intimate and it's in that dark place that even as david's enemies look on he sees that his divine friend throws him an, an anticipatory victory meal it appears that the 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 enemies are still real there in verse five they're still looking on they're still a threat and yet god his shepherd now becomes a host at his family table and gives david a lavish victory banquet even as the enemies look on uh, the, his cup is overflowing oil is poured on his head that's what happened at a, at a at a big meal at a victory meal and this is what god gives david even as he's in that difficult and dark place facing enemies and facing potential fear uh, let me just read to you a, a quote from tim keller's book my rock my refuge his devotional book on the psalms he speaks about this verse five in psalm 23 and he says this god has a celebration meal with us not after we finally get out of the dark valley but in the middle of it in the presence of our enemies he wants us to rejoice in him in the midst of our troubles is our shepherd out of touch with reality hardly jesus is the only shepherd who knows what it's like to be a sheep he understands what we are going through and he will be with us every step of the way every step of the way for the christian even the dark valley is a place of victory because god is so close when you
Hi, apparently you lost me. Have you also got me again? I won't ask you what the last word you heard was. I'll just carry on. <laughs> but what we see is that, that the shepherd leads us through the dark valley until we get to the journey's end, until we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those words point beyond the earthly temple that David primarily was thinking of, and they point forward, don't they, to heaven, to that time when we will be with Jesus, with God, without any mourning, crying, or tears. This is what our shepherd does. This is the territory he leads us through. He is closest to us in the valley, but whether we're in the green pastures and the still waters or the valley this morning, he is with us and he will keep us. And that's what this psalm tells us. And that's why it's been so precious to so many Christians over the centuries. Well, maybe you're hearing the words of this psalm this morning as a Christian and you're thinking, well, look, I know intellectually this is true, but how can I really know this is true, especially when I don't feel it, especially when in my suffering, God feels a long, time, a long way away, frankly. Well, how can you know this is true? First of all, because God's word in Psalm 23 and elsewhere tells you this is true. God's word, Yahweh's word tells you that he is your shepherd, that Jesus is your shepherd and will always shepherd you. But also we can know this is true because our shepherd is the lamb. Let's go back to that verse in Revelation 7 where we started. The lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. What a striking image that is. In Revelation, Jesus is often pictured as the lamb because he's the sacrifice who takes away our sins. Tim Keller says in his book that, this shepherd knows what it is to be a sheep. But you know what? He didn't only become a sheep. He didn't only become one of us, a human being like us. He became the lamb of sacrifice. That's how we know that this shepherd will never leave us. He's died for us. If he's given his life for us, he will never leave us or forsake us. That's how we can know this shepherd will never leave us. And the other reason we can know that this is true is that once someone has come to this shepherd by faith, through trusting Jesus and his death on the cross for them, they can say with, Davis, with David, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Literally, that says, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. If you belong to Jesus and have trusted in him, it's because he came after you. It's because his grace is an active, powerful thing that will never stop being active and powerful until you get to glory. His goodness and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life until that day when you see him and you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is your shepherd, Christian. We need to tell people about this shepherd. They need to have this Jesus, this God as their shepherd, don't they? We need to show that we're trusting him as we walk the paths of righteousness, as we walk through the green pastures and the dark valleys. We need to walk close to him and point people to this shepherd. If you haven't trusted him yet, you can, you can come to him and trust him this morning, believing that he was the lamb of the sacrifice that died in your place. And he offers himself to you as shepherd and Lord and king forever until we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for this wonderful, precious, sweet psalm. These words are familiar to so many of us, but we pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, the familiarity of these words 
will not stop the truth of these words breaking into our hearts afresh this morning. Help us, Lord Jesus, to follow closely after you, to walk the paths of righteousness and obedience to you, knowing that you are a good shepherd who will always watch over and lead, feed and protect us, that you will see us through every dark valley, including that last and final dark valley, the valley of the shadow of death. And even there, we do not need to fear evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us and we will dwell in your house forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to close by singing Christ, our hope in life.